Hello and welcome to OBGYN Audiophile. For those of you who are new to this podcast, it is designed to provide practice questions and answers for those preparing for the OBGYN certifying examination, more commonly known as oral boards. For those of you interested in test preparation, the most useful way to use these would be to listen to the question, pause the podcast, answer out loud, and then listen to the answer given. These practice questions and answers are based on my readings of important publications, including practice bulletins, committee opinions, and Green Journal articles, in addition to ABOG's own publications, including their Pearls of Excellence. If you are studying for the boards, you can read the reference article and then test your knowledge using these podcasts. Or you can test your knowledge using these podcasts to help you determine which reference articles you need to reread before your exam. I have made a few OBGYN audiophile podcasts available for free, and the remainder are available at our website, obgynaudiophile.com, for a nominal fee. My approach in asking these questions is to be as neutral as possible, as your examiner will likely also be very neutral, and their goal is to not let you know if you are answering correctly or not. Hopefully these questions and answers will get you ready to speak with someone who is unenthused about you for three or more hours. I highly recommend stress relief via exercise while you're preparing for your oral examination, and I think that these podcasts are an ideal way to study while traveling or exercising. Good luck with all your studies, and good luck as you prepare for your oral exam. Question and answer session, disseminated intravascular coagulation syndromes and obstetrics. What is the proposed theory of activation for disseminated intravascular coagulation? The pathogenesis of DIC is complex, but current theory is that it is initiated by tissue factor, otherwise known as thromboplastin, which is released from trophoblastic or fetal tissue or maternal tissue, decidua, or endothelium. Which obstetric disorders are associated with DIC? Common disorders associated with DIC include preeclampsia with severe features, HELP syndrome, and massive obstetrical hemorrhage. More rare disorders associated with DIC include placental abruption, AFE, sepsis, or acute fatty liver of pregnancy. What are the physiologic changes associated with pregnancy in regards to coagulation? The end result is that pregnancy is a hypercoagulable state. What makes pregnancy a hypercoagulable state? There is an increase in plasma volume, and within the plasma, there is an increase in plasma proteins, including an increase in procoagulants. For example, fibrinogen is increased by up to 50%. There is also an overall decrease in anticoagulants, including decreased protein C and decreased protein S. And although plasminogen levels increase, there is an inhibition of fibrinolysis. What is a normal fibrinogen level in pregnancy at term? 375 to 620 milligrams per deciliter. How does DIC get initiated by tissue factor or thromboplastin? By forming complexes with factors 7 and factor 7A. What is tissue factor? It is a membrane glycoprotein. Where is it located? In vascular organs, for example, the placenta, lung, or brain. What is the primary source of tissue factor? 
In most cases, tissue factor is released by injury to endothelium, which attracts white blood cells, platelets, and could potentially cause activation of coagulation and DIC. Where else is tissue factor commonly released from? Tissue factor is also located in the trophoblastic tissue and amniotic fluid. What are the two pathways for DIC in obstetrics? DIC in obstetrics can either be due to hemorrhage and loss of procoagulants and or a disease process that causes consumption of procoagulants. What are the clinical signs of coagulopathy? Bleeding sites at areas of modest trauma, such as a Foley catheter insertion, spontaneous bleeding in the mucosa, or oozing from a surgical site that was previously hemostatic. What are laboratory tests that can be run to evaluate coagulopathy? Fibrinogen, platelets, and prothrombin time, and thrombin split products. What is the incidence of placental abruption? 0.5%. What are the cardinal signs of an amniotic fluid embolism? Cardiovascular collapse and systemic inflammatory response in addition to DIC. What percentage are fatal? 60%. What are the risk factors for amniotic fluid embolism? Rapid labor, meconium, AMA, post-term pregnancy, labor induction or augmentation, eclampsia, any type of operative delivery, placental abruption or placental previa, and polyhydramnios. What are the effects seen soon after an amniotic fluid embolism? Uterine hypertonus, initially pulmonary and systemic hypertension followed by hypotension, hypoxia, coagulopathy followed by cardiac arrest. What type of damages do the survivors have? Typically, lung injury and brain damage due to hypoxia. How do you diagnose HELP syndrome? It is a triad of thrombocytopenia, elevated liver function tests, and microangiopathic hemolysis. How is microangiopathic hemolysis diagnosed? It can be diagnosed with a peripheral smear of the blood or elevated LDH or decreased haptoglobin. How can sepsis cause DIC? The CD4 T cells and leukocytes release pro-inflammatory factors, including cytokines, which releases a cytokine storm. In addition, the bacteria or virus can release endotoxin or exotoxin, and endotoxin specifically causes endothelial cells to release tissue factor, starting the DIC activation. What is the mortality for sepsis overall in non-pregnant patients? 20 to 35%. What is the most common cause of sepsis in pregnancy? Pyelonephritis. What are the most common uropathogens that cause sepsis in the setting of pyelonephritis? E. coli followed by Klebsiella species. Please give me an example of bacteria that release exotoxins. Clostridium perfinges, Staph aureus, and group A beta hemolytic streptococcus all release exotoxins and therefore can cause toxic shock syndrome. How do you manage sepsis? 
with prompt recognition, close monitoring of vital signs, the urine output, rapid infusion of IV fluids, initially two liters, followed by four to six liters crystalloid to perfuse the kidneys, and initiation promptly with IV antibiotics. What are some of the lab findings associated with acute fatty liver of pregnancy? Low cholesterol, hypoglycemia, elevated bilirubin, low fibrinogen and procoagulants, prolonged prothrombin time, elevated LFTs. What is the fatality associated with acute fatty liver of pregnancy? 10 to 15 percent. How do you clinically manage DIC in obstetrics? The key is to identify and treat the underlying cause and manage the accompanying hemorrhage and or hypercoagulability and to replace blood products utilizing the massive transfusion protocol to assess the status using vital signs, urine output, and labs evaluating for hypovolemia and coagulation. What urine output are you concerned about? A urine output less than or equal to 30 to 60 cc's per hour. Which labs do you obtain on these patients? A complete blood count with platelets, fibrinogen, fibrinogen, fibrin split products, PT, and activated partial thrombin time. When do you typically call your massive transfusion protocol? It is usually activated at the fourth to fifth unit of packed red blood cells. How does recombinant 7A work? It binds to exposed tissue factor, creating thrombin, and activates platelets and coagulation. What is a major risk of recombinant 7A? Thromboembolism with arterial, more often than venous, thromboemboli. How are D-dimers or fibrinogen fibrin split products created? Within the fibrinolytic system, tissue factor activates plasminogen, which turns fibrin or fibrinogen into split products and thrombin into plasmin.